Good afternoon, everyone. It is good to see you. And I'm going to ask if you have a cell phone to please put your cell phone on mute or off. So if you have a cell phone, if you would please be so kind. <laughs> All pagers. What, is it that old? Pages? I'm going to begin. I'm gonna, I want to turn, take your attention back today to 1 Kings chapter 19. And as I'm doing something kind of interesting. I'm starting at a place to where eventually I'll need, I'm going to work backwards. So I'm a little further ahead than actually I'm <coughs> not wanting to be where the Lord has me. And then I'm going to actually later on go back and um, look at different passages that deals, deals with the section right before we were reading last time and, and studying. My friend Damien said that he was going to be here today, and he actually is here again. So, Damien, again, I want to recognize that uh, you said you would be here, and that's an important thing. He's men of his word so far. <laughs> I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I'm going to pray for the word. And I'm going to, right before friend, I'm going to ask if Jackie would just introduce her friend, and if there's anyone here for the first time, just want to say hello. Jackie, if you would just, it is great to have you here today. You are welcome. God bless you. I want to thank you for joining us today. And over in the corner here, I don't think I've had the pleasure of meeting you before. Latisha, you want to, or your name? Lavelle, good to have you here today. Have you been here before? You have been, okay. Okay. <laughs> Vaguely. All right. <clears throat> and it's good to definitely say our dear sister Nancy. Nancy, good to see you today. Today, Lord, we are grateful for the privilege of being in your presence. Pray that you will bless us as we hear the word of God and read. And we thank you for all that you're doing. May the spirit of the almighty come into this place. You're already here. May you dwell within us. May you breathe life into your servant as I preach the word of God. We do love you. We give you all the honor. Bless the Lord, my dad, the pastor, in a special way, his body as he's having to cough, and it just takes a toll on the body. So we lift him up in a special way, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. In your Bibles, turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. And I'm going to read beginning at verse, beginning at 19 verse 9b 1st Kings chapter 19 I'm going to start at 9b and this is a continuation from last week um, the title that I gave does anyone remember the title from last week that I gave running on fool in the wrong direction now what I did say I was going to do let me see if I can remember the scripture from Revelation 2011 and 12. And I said I would quote mine when I got up here, so let me do that now. Brother June, you're looking for this passage that I'm reading? That's, Reve- that's going to be 1 Kings chapter 19, uh, verse 9b through 21. I'm going to read a portion of 9b or 9 through 21. 1 Kings 19, again in verse 9. Revelation 20, 11 to 12 says, And then, in the NIV, I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. 
earth and sky fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. Books were opened, and another book was opened, the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done out of the books. I want to remind you that we are going to stand before the presence of God one day. Those that have not accepted him will be judged according to their sins. And those that know Christ will be judged and be rewarded for what we've done for him. So just going to drop that on the way. The passage for next month that we're going to quote is going to be Revelation 20, verse 13. Give me one verse. If you would like to know, do all three of them, that's fine, 11, 12, and 13. But the passage for next month is Revelation 20, 13. Is there anyone who's never done it before? Anyone has not quoted before? I'm going to ask you to work on it. You've got a whole month, one verse. I'm going to ask you to prepare and to do that. As I've done for some, I've called some, and some have committed. So, I mean, don't be surprised if you get a call from me. <laughs> I'm not going to call out any names right now. Um. <laughs> I ain't going to do that to you yet. All right. Next month, Revelation 20, uh, 13. Is it Revelations or Revelation? No S. Why isn't there an S? There's only one revelation that God gave. That's why we say revelation, not revelations. When you even look at the book of Psalms, when we look at one psalm, what do we call it? Is it Psalms? Or is it Psalm 1 or Psalms 1? No, Psalm. Without the S, when you're talking about one psalm, when you're talking about the book or more than one chapter, it's Psalm. So when you get to a Psalms, you will say Psalm 2, Psalm 3, or Psalms chapter 2 and 3. All right? Okay. All right. Revelation, just a quick lesson. Okay. Revelation chapter 20. Everybody there? The Revelation chapter 20. Everybody there? Okay, thank you. First, okay, make sure you're listening now. All right, nobody was saying nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody looking, you talking about me? <laughs> First Kings chapter 19. Um, phones, if you can put phones or. I should, oh, I'm sorry. That's, that's good. Keep it going. I want to hear it. Click, click, click. <laughs> All right. First Kings chapter 19, begin it, beginning at verse 9b. 9b says, And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elisha? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord, God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. 
Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? (laughs) He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel, king of Aram, or over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel, Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Haziel, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the words, the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. So Elisha went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Bless you. (laughs) That should be on the tape. (laughs) I have fun, y'all, when I'm preaching. Don't don't worry about me. I'm not in my right mind. Verse 20. Elijah then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elijah left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment uh, to cook the meat and gave it to the people in the ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Come on in, Sister Barbara. How you doing? <laughs> I saw back there trying to just ease the door closer. Come on, come on in. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Last week we talked about how the Lord had given. Elijah, a great victory. And we went over some of the history of Israel and talked about Ahab, how he ran home and told his wife, Jezebel. And Elijah received, this pastor says, a Jezegram, that she was going to get him. By this time tomorrow, May you be like the prophets that you killed, my prophets of Baal that you killed. If you're not just like one of them tomorrow, he says, I'm going to get you. And brother took off running. 
I was watching last night the show, I think it was Women and Knives. Wives with knives? I know it was something with, with knives. And it wasn't men with knives. <laughs> women with knives. Well, wives and women with knives. We'll just call it that. <laughs> and it depicted how relationships started so nicely but ended deadly. Jezebel was a woman who did not make idle threats. If Jezebel said she was going to get you, she's going to get you. As I mentioned, I don't know too many females today, parents calling their kids Jezebel. Don't see many names of kids today. They still may be popular someplace. I just don't know about them. Jezebel's name does not bring warm feelings, warm feelings of sympathy and love. Oh, what a nice Jezebel. <laughs> Just don't seem to even go together. But she told him, I'm going to get you. And so Elijah dropped off his servant at Beersheba. He says, you stay here because I, I, I'm just my own interpretation. You're going to slow me down. I got to get going because Jezebel is after me. You stay here. And brother took off running. And the Bible, as we mentioned last week, that the angel of the Lord, when he sat down by this broom bush to sleep, provided some, sh some shade, told him, get up and eat because your journey is long, fed him. He went back to sleep, got back up again. Angel said, you got to eat because the journey you're on is a long journey. And the Bible says that on that meal, that second meal, the meals that he ate, he ran for 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Horeb. What is another name for Mount Horeb? Mount Sinai. Who said that? Right there. Mount Sinai. It is considered and called to be the mountain of God. This is where the Lord told Moses. When the Lord told Moses, I want you to go to Israel and to Egypt and deliver my people. I want you to go bring them out. And this is the place that you're going to come back to and worship me on. This is the mountain that is believed that Elijah ran to. And so as Elijah gets there, he goes in. The Lord asks him a question. And that question is, what are you doing? He, now he just fed him, told him, run, brother, run, run, run. You got a long place, wrong, got a long journey. Got to get going. And he fed him. And then he gets there. Uh, what, what are you doing here? Now Elijah goes, what do you mean, what am I doing here? The question that we have, as the, or the first point we have is, saving God a prophet, basically, is what Elijah's saying. So if you're writing the points down, point number one is saving God a prophet. That's what I'm doing here. When God asks you a question, he never asks you a question for the purpose of gathering information that he does not know. He's asking you a question to find out, what you know, and what you're going to say. If God has given us an assignment, it is our responsibility to complete the assignment the, that he has given and then to prepare for the next assignment. The Lord gave Elijah assignment upon Mount Carmel. Elijah completed that assignment. But then when the word came from Jezebel saying that I'm going to get you, we don't find in Scripture where Elijah ever 
consulted God, but he took off running. He had already been with Ahab the king. Why wasn't he afraid of Ahab? Because he knew that Ahab didn't run his house. Jezebel did. Jezebel was the one that told him what to do. And Ahab jumped. Now, when couples are married, yes, they rule together. And I think there is a sick in our culture. It's sick when people say, woman, you do what I tell you to do. That's how we do it here. I'm the man. Telling me. So, honey, what do you want for dinner? <laughs> you know? So when we look at this situation, we have to realize and understand that Jezebel seemed to run the house. Ahab is not concerned, or Elijah is not scared of Ahab, but he's concerned and scared about Jezebel. And the Lord says, what are you doing? Why didn't you consult me? I gave you an assignment. Why didn't you check back in with me about why you didn't or what the next assignment was going to be? So if you've been given an assignment by the Lord, have you completed it? Are you working on the assignment that God has given you? Or have you run after something else? And are you running in an opposite direction of what God has said? Elijah's, Elijah's humanness and vulnerability is seen in this act of him, as in him running for, him, for his life. As he's running for his life, we see his humanity. We see after even having a great victory upon the mountain that once you come out of the mountain, you've got to come back through the valley. And that's where your battles are. You can have the best experience upon the mountain, but you can't stay there. Your battles are fought in the valley. And so even though he's had a great victory, he tends to forget what God has done. The question that God asks Elijah, as I said, is not for information. God, in fact, over a month earlier, supplied Elijah with food to run for the 40 days. Over a month has now passed as he traveled. God knows. So, so when God asks him, what are you doing here? You have to realize this is over a month now. And the Lord didn't stop him along the way to say, what are you doing? And we have no indication that he consulted God while he was running. He said, Lord, am I going in the right direction? You see, sometimes when we are running, we will pause halfway through and say, wait a minute. Am I going in the right direction? In fact, when you're driving somewhere and you've been that way maybe once or twice, you're looking for landmarks. You're looking to see, do I see anything familiar? And all of a sudden you start doing one of these numbers. This ain't looking familiar. You began to question and thinking, am I going in the right direction? You stop and you take inventory to make sure you're on the right road. And if you're not on the right road, you say, where's the next exit that I can get off and get back on the right road? Unfortunately, too many of God's people are on the wrong road, and they're not even consulting him, not consulting the manual, and they're just running. God is saying, no, I'm going this way. And the Lord allows you to, fine, go, go. And then when you get there, say, whoa, I'm here, Lord. He says, what are you doing here? 
Who told you that this was the direction and the place that you're supposed to be right now? No, you're supposed to be in his place. Yeah, right. I'm not talking about here. I'm talking about in your journeys with God and you're going somewhere. Have you consulted him? Elijah didn't do it. Now, we know that Elijah heard God earlier. God told him, you go by the river. And I've already commanded the ravens to feed you. They're going to bring your food to the river. If you're not at the river, you're not going to be fed. They're not going all over the place. I told the birds where to find you, Elijah. Be there. Elijah was there. When Elijah got thirsty, he went to the river and got something to drink. But if he was not in the place where God told him to be, he would not have received what God had for him. Today, many people are not in God's, the place that God has for them, and they're wondering, why is my life going as it is? Because you're out of the will of God, oftentimes. And then when we look at the circumstances that God takes us through, we sometimes, we're not able to discern if it's a test or not. We start saying, Lord, have I done something wrong? Why am I going through this? God may be taking you through something because he has a place for you to go, and you're about to move up a level. But when we're not in the will of God, we don't know what's a test. And we don't know what's the problem. So we began to question, what am I doing? Have you consulted God for your assignment? There's no doubt that Elijah knew the voice of God. He's heard it clearly. He heard the Lord tell him when it was time to leave from the river and go to where the widow was. He already told the widow, I'm sending Elijah and I want you to prepare for him. The Lord told him this and he heard God's voice and obeyed. What happened that when this problem came that he forgot whom, who he was serving? You see, I think we forget the God that we serve in life. We see all the problems around and we tend to forget that we've got a great and mighty and wonderful God in charge. Elijah tended to forget. Now, I'm going to hopefully show you something today further to some things that I, that you maybe haven't seen. Elijah was a great prophet. He's one of the most powerful prophets in the Old Testament. But he had some problems. He gets there and the Lord says, what are you doing here? Then the Lord says, I want you to go stand on the mountain. Because he says, I'm about to pass by. Now, when the Lord, if he was to say that to me, I'd be saying, now, Lord, am I on your good side or your bad side? <laughs> you know, he said, I'm about to pass through here. You see, there's a matter of fear when we're outside of God's will. When we're not doing what God has called us to do, there tends to be a matter of fear that runs through our course of life and runs through our bodies. There, there tends to be a fear that we have because we know we are outside of. You see, when the Holy Spirit begins to work in a person's life, the Bible said he, he came to convict the world of sin. And one of the things that we have to understand that that's one of his responsibilities is to convict us and to show us sin so that we can make sure we turn it over to God and says, God, this is not what you're calling me to do. I need to get it right. Elijah Rather than saying, God, I doubted you and I'm sorry, what would you have me to do? He tried to justify what he did. Let's look at it. 
So the Lord tells them, I want you to go stand on this mountain because I'm about to pass by. Then it says, Lord said in verse 11, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, came fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When the Lord, when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out to stand at the mouth of the cave. Look at this. You mean to tell me God wasn't in all that storm? God had to be in that storm. That was a storm I ain't never seen before. There was some lightning and thunder going on. That was not normal. There was a storm not long ago that was up in Roner Park. Y'all might have had it down there too. It was not a normal storm. I never heard thundering like that before. You don't get that in here in California. Maybe down like in Wheeling, Florida. My wife and I were on vacation once. That, that thunder, like it was like right on top of the building. It was like right there. You don't hear thunder. Back south? Oh, me, I don't know about no thunder and lightning back there. Parents, grandparents said, hush, y'all, hush, the Lord is speaking. Man, yeah, I'm quiet. <laughs> right? But the Bible says that the Lord was not in this here. And I'm thinking, hmm. But the Lord came in a gentle whisper. And I want you to notice something. After all these things happened, the Lord asked him a question. He said, Elijah, what are you doing here? (laughs) That's the second time he asked him that question. And you know what? Elijah gave the same answer both times. He gave the same answer. Lord, I've been zealous for you. They're down in. And they're killing prophets. All the people that you, they're serving Baal, they're worshiping. And I tell you what, I'm the only one. I'm the only person, the only one that's serving you. And I'm helping save you a prophet because you need the prophet. So I'm that one. So that's why I'm here saving you a prophet, Lord. That's my, I, I, and I thank you for giving me the food. I'm being successful. I'm here. I'm here, right here, your saved prophet. (laughs) The Lord says to him, "Um, Elijah, I want you to notice the positioning of where God, what he says. The Lord says something interesting. When Elijah gives his answer, and tells the Lord that they're trying to kill me too. I want you to notice something. The Lord t- 
tells him something. Rather than accepting his answer, he says in verse 15, and this is going to be our second point and the last point for the day, it's going to be, I'm going to call the new assignment. The new assignment. And that is, verse 15, the Lord said to him, go back the way you came. And go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha. We're going to see. yeah, Son of Shaphat from Abel Mohalat to succeed you as prophet. The Lord gave him three instructions. Note this. After Elijah gives his answer, God then says, he doesn't respond right away to what he said in regards to, oh, I see. He says, what you going to do? Go anoint these individuals. And you anoint Elijah and take their place. Then God tells him this. Oh, like, and by the way, Elijah, I yet, in verse number 18, I still reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knee have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouth, his, their mouth have not kissed him. In other words, they are not loyal to Baal. Now, that 7,000 is not necessarily taken just literally, it means maybe seven, but the symbolic, I've got many people that have never bowed to Baal. So in other words, here's your new assignment, and then let me give you an answer. While Jezebel may have been killing off the prophets, I've got people that have never bowed to Baal. You might think you don't, I'm the only one, ain't nobody helping me. I'm the only one. They ain't doing it. I ain't doing it either. Hmm. I ain't, y'all not eating. I'm not going to eat. I'm fed off fasting. I'm, I don't hear that. I ain't doing it. We do things that we want to do. But I want you to note this. God told him, you go and you anoint. Now, I have to say this. There's nothing in, his, in the Bible that I see so far where Elijah obeyed God in this matter. Oh, so I said, huh? You see him going to Elisha and putting his cloak over Elisha. God says, anoint Haziel, Jehu, and Elisha. In 2 Kings, chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, I believe you find that it is actually Elisha who does the anointing. Elijah didn't follow God's command in this. You don't find that here, but you find it later. Chapter 9. I believe it's chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, you'll find it, that Elijah did not anoint 
I'm thinking, hold on a second. How come, can someone read, please, 2 Kings 9, 1 through 3. Just read it, please, as soon as you have it. Who is that? Say it again. Who? Elisha. Okay. Okay, he called another prophet. So Elisha now has called another prophet. He's, he's taken Elijah's place, and he called one of his fellow prophets. Okay, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Get yourself ready. Take this flask of oil. In other words, if he's around other people, get him and take him somewhere privately. Go on. And run. Cause <laughs> is this, is this some of this new to y'all? Yeah. Now, now, Jehu was in the house of Ahab. He was over his army. He was with Jezebel's servant. If I'm correct, Haziel was going to be the king of Aram, who also had another king. And why did the Lord tell him this? He says that, Elijah, for your question that you asked, or says that you're the only one, I am going to bring judgment on my people. Haziel, the king of Aram, is going to bring punishment externally. From the outside. He's going to be the one that I have judged my people because they were supposed to kill the people of Aram and Ahab didn't. Became buddies with them. So Haziel is going to execute externally. Jehu, who is going to be the king of Israel, is going to do it internally. Spiritually, anybody that escapes Jehu's sword, Elisha is going to take care of. Spiritually. Y'all see this? Look at what God does. God does not let sin go unpunished. I think people think they're getting away. I don't get it. You are not. You're not. Unless we repent, that's the only way to spare judgment. Ahab reigned for 22 years. When Elijah failed to obey the word of God, he lived much longer. When the Lord told Elijah, you go and anoint the king of Aram in Syria. He was the commander over Syria. You go and anoint. That person was supposed to kill off Ahab because Ahab was wicked. That's where the judgment was supposed to come from. But Elijah didn't do it. So it persisted. Ahab remained in power even longer. Y'all follow me? The Lord told Elijah to do it. It fell then to Elisha. We say we see Elijah throwing his cloak around Elisha, which is a way of saying I'm passing my mantle. The Lord says I want you to anoint him. So I'll give him that, that, okay, you place your cloak around him. He became your follower. The Lord says anoint, okay. You didn't anoint the others. Why not? Why didn't Elijah follow through on this? We oftentimes don't recognize and see. Quick question now to go on because I have to come to an end. All right. When we look at this situation here, when we look at what one needs to do, God says that I require 
obedience throughout the lifetime, it makes no difference how you start. In other words, it is important how you start, but it is how you finish the race. Elijah was still, was still a mighty man of God, and God took him on the glory. He got his wish, Lord, take me out of here. Soon after, the chariot fire came and took him on the glory to be with the Lord. But the land and the people of Israel continued to suffer because he was not completely obedient to what God had said. God does not keep us from sin, even the, the, the uh, frailties and the, some of the problems that his own prophets had. We see it right there. So when you're going through something, don't think nobody says, nobody sees. <laughs> you may be going through, but God has a door for you. So let me just mention this as we get ready to close. When God gives you an assignment, are you quick to do it? Or do you make excuses? Oh, I don't understand. I don't do that. Do you do it? Do you not know that when you don't complete the assignment that God has for you, that you are telling God, I don't trust you? And God takes it as an insult. And will remove your assignment and put another person in your place. When you don't follow God's leading and trust him from beginning to end, he knows how to replace you. Elijah is replaced. We don't know if Elijah would have been removed. God had a way that eventually Elijah would have been out, but that wasn't the particular way I don't think he was supposed to be. God allowed it. Yeah, Elijah was not where he should have been. And the Lord told him, now you go back and you'll know it because somebody is going to take your place as well. Now follow up and do these things here. Now if he had just heard the voice of God, I'd have been quick. Forty days, I, just as quickly as I got there, I'd have been on my way just as quick. Okay, Lord, let me make sure I follow through on what you just told me because I just had a direct experience with the Almighty God. I don't think many of us have a proper fear of God. And that's why we're not quick to do what God tells us to do. We don't have a proper fear. When people say that, oh, we need to fear God, and have, that means respect love. Yep, it absolutely means that. But fear means fear. When God showed up on Mount Sinai with Moses, people told my mom, Moses, hey, hey, God spoke to you. <laughs> tell you what, you speak to us. We don't want to hear God's voice. That's too powerful. You tell us what he said, and we'll, we'll, we'll do it. But God's voice, please don't let him speak to us anymore because we're going to die if we hear his voice again. Because they knew there was a fear that they had. It wasn't just a respect. It was a fear, a proper fear. Fear means to fear. And that's what we need to look at and we need to see that when we have a healthy fear of God, it means that God is a God who expects us and desires us to obey him. Because one... He knows that it's for our benefit, and he knows that when we obey him, that he has a plan for us. Just like God knows all the details of the plan, he knows all the steps along the way. That means he knows how to get you from point A, B, C, D, E, F. He knows how to get you to the end. And anytime you de take a detour on your own, you automatically run into danger. You automatically are on your own. And we've got to understand and know this. That if God lays out the course, you need to say, Lord, order my steps and show me which way I'm to go. Bow your heads.
Do you have your assignment? Are you running in full in the wrong direction? Do excuses plague your life? Does faithfulness only come when it's convenient? God asks a question not because he needs the information. Because you need to know where you stand. So we lie to ourselves and say things a little bit better than what they might really be. If you can't be honest with yourself, that's a problem. And we are, we are, you know. I'm doing okay. No. I need to get it right. I need to just simply repent and just do it right. God, give me my assignment and I will follow it. Lord, the fear that I might have, please show me and help me with my fear. It's time out. We are getting older. God is going to come one day. Nobody knows when. And it would be such a tragedy to be in church and not know the Savior. To be lost eternally. To be lost because we said no to Christ. Or to, to, to have accepted the Lord and then not walk within our calling and not be faithful and to just have rewards that God wants to give sitting lying dormant unused or given to someone else. We need to complete the assignment that God has given us. We need to be obedient. So today, there may be some in this place, and you know where you are, because your mind may be running to different things. And there's the enemies trying to say, oh, you don't need to listen to that. You, 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 just, you got time. That's just a, track, a trick of the enemy, letting us to think that we got more time than we may have. Thank God that he doesn't let us see way into the future to know our lives because some of us be waiting right to the last minute. About to die. Okay, I said you, Lord. Amen. No. The Bible says, the day you hear my voice, don't harden your heart. If there's anybody in this place, I'd like every eye closed, please. This is a private matter right now. <laughs> First decision that people need to make is the fact that God Jesus Christ himself died on the cross for our sins. And we need to say yes to him first. We need to say, Lord, I'm sorry. I don't even understand it, but would you forgive me of my sin? I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. That's the first step. Once we've done that, we become a part of the family of God. Christ and the Holy Spirit comes to live within us and to help us to walk out what God has for us, the life that God has ordained for us. He gives us our assignments. Lord, what is it you would have me to do? And we learn to walk in it after we become a part. You don't get a paycheck on a job before you get hired. Then after God has saved us and we say, Lord, now what's the assignment? We began to walk in that sometimes falling down, sometimes messing up, oh God forgive me, and then getting right back up and going again. And that's what we need to remember. In your heart, for those that don't know the Lord, just in your heart, say these words. And if you mean it, say, Lord, I ask that you forgive me. I'm not saved. I have not accepted you. I don't even know all what it means, Lord, but I don't want to be lost. I don't want to walk 
in my own will. I don't want to keep running in the wrong direction. I want to run in the direction that God you have for me. So please come into my life. I accept you as my Lord. I accept you as my Savior. And with that, Lord, I know comes now responsibility. With it comes commitment. So today I pray that you will hear me. In Jesus' name. With your eyes still closed. If you've never, I'm not talking pe- about people, I, sometimes people just out of tradition will just raise their hand. Oh, I accept the Lord. And, but I'm talking about people who have said, you know, no, I have not accepted the Lord. I've been playing. Yes, I made that seat. Slip your hand up and back down. I'll contact you this week. Then, Lord, our prayers for those who have said that I haven't been walking in my assignment. And from this day on, Lord, I want to know what it is and I want to do it. The way that I show that I love you, Lord, is by obeying you today. That's my life. That's what I want is to obey the Lord. I want to challenge and encourage you this day to look at areas in your life to where you know, i got to clean this up. I need some spiritual development. I need some guidance. I need, I need to clean up my life. But I recognize that I can't do it. It has to be the Lord. And I want to put something before you to say, in the areas of my life where I'm not being faithful, I'm going to be. Where I haven't been committed, I'm going to be. Everybody has an assignment. There are no bench warmers in the kingdom of God. I hated sitting on the bench in baseball. That's why I didn't ride it too often. Uh Uh-uh. I didn't like the bench. I like to play. So, I played. (laughs) But in the church, everybody has an assignment. And that could be what needs to be done. And some things require, before you do certain things, yes, change, us working together. Some things can get right in, you know. What do I need? What can I do just to help? Hey, here's a, we need some help right here. Everybody often tells me, I want to get up here and sing. No, hold it, hold back up. There's some work that has to be done, right? But we have plenty that everybody can do. So where can I be helped? That's my challenge. I want to work with you this year on. Where does God want me to be this year?